I don't know about you, but I want to change the world. You know, God, God put you on this planet for, for a reason. God created you with a purpose in mind. He has a plan for your life, and he wants to use you in ways that are greater than anything you've ever thought about or imagined, because that's why God made you. Do you ever think about that? I mean, the problem is that we kind of get this mental block, I think, that we hit these emotional barriers and we keep saying to ourselves, how could God use me? You know, how could God use me? How, how could God use me to bless other people, to make a difference in this world? And I think you've got to take a chance and you've got to change your thinking is what, what has to happen. If you're going to take that step, you've got to change the way that you process things. You know, every great accomplishment that has ever happened in this world, it, it took someone imagining first. It was an idea or a thought before it really became reality. You know, psychologists will tell you that if you really want to live, you've got to learn to dream. Now, if you dream, then you can begin to live. And psychologists would say that if you, if you don't have dreams, you're simply existing in your life. And that is absolutely true, but it doesn't go quite far enough. The, the fact is that you need more than just a dream. I would suggest to you that you need God's dream for your life. That's what God put you here for. That's what God wants to use you for, is what he's dreamed of, what he's thought of. Let me ask you this. If, if God isn't using you, what are you being used for? You know, 1 Corinthians, it says, No eye has ever seen, no ear has ever heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. We're starting this series, Revolution, and I believe that God wants to revolutionize our lives. He wants to change your life and change mine. And I believe that God wants us to be a part of the greatest revolution in history. It all started way back when, when Jesus first came to this planet. And it has changed the world. It, it's a revolution to change the world, to change our eternity. It's a revolution that Faith Fellowship absolutely is dedicated to. And God's dream for your life is mind-boggling. I think that we can't even imagine it. We can't imagine what God could do through us if we're totally, completely, irrevocably given to, to him and give him all that, that we have. Ephesians 3.20, it says that with God's power working in us, God can do much, much more than anything we could ask or imagine. One of the greatest gifts God's given you, do you ever think about this, is your imagination. Your ability to imagine things is what separates us, I, I think, and makes us different than, than the animals. The fact that we can, can think, that we can dream, that we're made in the image of God and our creator, it was creative. 
And he's given us that ability, that same ability. Napoleon said, imagination rules the world. Einstein said that imagination was more important than knowledge. The fact is, when we begin to imagine, it changes things. And what I want to do today is kind of spark your imagination. I want to help you begin to imagine what could happen if you gave it all to God, if you allowed God to to work through you. You know, we're going to look at a guy by the name of Joshua. Joshua, I think we're going to get some good insights into how you might be used by God. And so I want you to imagine for a moment, if God used you, what would that mean? And you're going to have to take a little bit of a risk. In fact, that's what I'm going to use for acronym today. And the first thing that you got to do is R, you got to route your doubts. You got to push your doubts out the window. Doubt, I believe, is one of the greatest enemies of God's dream for your life. That it, when you have doubt, it kind of limits your potential. It causes you to procrastinate, to push things off. It'll cause you to miss the, what God has for you, the very best that God has for you in your life. And I know as I, I say that, some of you are going, you know, I doubt God could use me. In a great way. Some of you take it a little further. You go, I doubt God could use me. Come on, look at me. Take a, give, give me a break, you know. God used me. And we start coming up with all these excuses of why God can't use us. You know, James 1 says, Anyone who doubts like a wave on the sea, blown and pushed around by the wind, they should not think that they will receive anything from God. In other words, doubt will mess you up. Doubt will get in your face. It'll, it'll keep you from being used by God in significant ways. And so I want to challenge you today to get rid of the doubt. The fact is, when you doubt that God can use you, God can't. You know, Joshua, I think, had a great deal of doubt in his life. He had a lot of doubt issues that he had to work for and work through in his life. And in fact, the Old Testament records that Joshua, he was struggling with his self-confidence. And it's interesting when you read the story because there's a couple things that mess him up, that make him start doubting his ability. One is he was the successor to Moses. Now, how would you like to follow Moses? I mean, seriously, here's a guy that led the, the whole nation out of Egypt. They were in slavery. He leads them through, through the wilderness. Uh, he, he's the one that God used to deliver the, the plagues in Egypt. It's the one that God used to part the sea. He come down from the mountain with the Ten Commandments. I mean, Deuteronomy says that Moses was the greatest leader and the greatest man to ever live i'll be honest with you if i was following moses i'd have doubts too you know it'd be it would just scare you to death and not only is he following moses but god's got this amazing assignment for him that's daunting he's basically supposed to take a group of slaves that have been running around out in the wilderness for 40 years And he's going to go conquer the promised land. At that time, it was Palestine. And he's going to face off against seven nations that are are larger than the group he has. 
that are more fierce and strong, that, that have more on their side as far as physically when you, when you looked at it. And he's going to go take the land. And Joshua had a lot, of, a lot of fears, a lot of doubts. He's struggling with his confidence early on. And on the verge of the night that he's going to start this campaign, and it's going to take him years to accomplish, he's standing on the banks of the River Jordan. He's ready to cross into Palestine. It's what, what Israel is today. It's the same block of land. And the, the night before, God gives him this little pep talk. The first chapter of Joshua, four times God says to him, Be determined, be confident. Be confident. In other words, God's telling Joshua, the first thing you've got to do, if you're going to be used, if I'm going to be able to, to maximize your potential, is you've got to let go of the doubts. You've got to push them out the window. Joshua 1.9, 1, it says, Be bold and strong. Banish your fear and doubt. For remember, the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Banish. We don't use that word often, do we? What's that mean? It means get rid of it. Eliminate it. Dump it. You know, push it aside so that you don't have to, to deal with it anymore. And in other words, if God's going to use you, you've got to dump the doubt. And I know as I say that, some of you are going, well, that's hard. It's really hard. It's difficult. It's, it's, it's a tough thing to do. Yeah and no. Because it really has to do with making a choice in your life. Much like you make a choice to have faith or a choice about your attitude in life. The, the fact is, you have to determine that you're going to push it aside. And I am always amazed as I talk to people. A lot of people choose to believe their doubts and doubt their beliefs. It makes no sense. I, I want to suggest that we begin to doubt our doubts and believe our beliefs. In other words, when, when you get in a situation and you begin to doubt, you know, you think, hmm, God couldn't use me. Then maybe you counter in your mind and say, you know, I have to doubt that. I doubt that doubt. In fact, not only do I doubt that doubt, instead, I'm going to believe that God can do something. And you know what God says? God says, I'll help you. I'll use you. I'll work with you. I want to make a difference through your life. Why is it, why is it hard? Well, I, I think a couple of reasons. One, we've talked about this a lot, but one of, one of the things is we start comparing ourselves. You know, that'll mess you up. That'll cause you to doubt whether or not God can use you. Instead of looking to God, what we start doing is looking around. And you know what happens when you look around? I start looking around and I go, they got more talent. They got more abilities. They're better educated. They're smarter. They have more experience. They're in a better position. And on and on we go. And the fact is the moment... The moment you do that, it messes you up. You begin to be filled with, with self-doubt. And God says, you know what? Don't do that. Don't do that. 1 Corinthians, the 10th chapter, it says, this is paraphrased, but it says, it is a dumb thing to compare yourself to someone else. 
You know, when you start looking around, pretty soon you're going, well, I'm just average. I'm just ordinary. I mean, what have I got? Nothing special here. And the fact is, you have to remember, God uses ordinary people. God uses people like you and me. If God only used superstars, not much would get done in this world. And if God only used perfect people, nothing would get done. True? In fact, just turn to the person next to you and say, you're not perfect. Some of you enjoy that way too much, way too much. God uses ordinary people. God uses weak people. God uses people with problems. God uses people with mixed motivations in their life. God uses dysfunctional people. He uses weird people, strange people. In other words, God can use you and me. Imagine that. God wants to use you. Don't compare. Don't compare. Don't worry about it. And the other thing I think that causes us to have self-doubt is remembering our failures. It's kind of like a movie playing in your head over and over and over and over again. You know, remember that stupid thing I did in 2001? You know, remember that really dumb thing I did in 1965? And we keep replaying it, and it tortures us and messes us up. And why do we do that? You know, God doesn't focus on the past. God's not not staring it down going, Hey, you remember what you did back then? No, God... Is focused on the future. And if you keep focusing on the past, it will mess you up. If you keep focusing on your failures, you're never going to get on with the present and hear this, and God will never be able to use you in the future as long as that's where you're looking at. I mean, have you read the Bible lately? The Bible is chock full of great men and women of faith, great leaders that didn't exactly have great resumes. In fact, they had spotty resumes. Moses, he was a murderer. You know, Jacob, Jacob stole his inheritance. He was a thief. David, he was an adulterer. He had, he had the woman that he was spending time with, he had her husband killed. Abraham, Abraham was a coward. I mean, he was a big-time coward. He gave his wife away twice in Scripture. He got in a jam, and he goes, save my life, take my wife, you know. (laughs) Paul, Paul was a religious terrorist before God got a hold of him and changed him. And and Peter, Peter was a hard-driving, hard-drinking, salty sea dog that was so messed up. I mean, this guy had a temper that wouldn't quit, and he was always putting his foot in his mouth, but God used them. God used all those people to make a difference in the world, to make a difference in eternity. God used them, and what I'm saying is you don't have to have a great resume for God to use you. I don't care where you've been, and God doesn't care where you've been, What God's concerned about is where you're going. What direction are you moving in your life? So 
you got to route your doubts. you got to internalize God's promises. Promise is a, a really key word. It's an important word. I believe it's partly why Jake, or, uh, Joshua ends up being the kind of leader that he was. Thirteen times in the book of Joshua, the word promise is used. God promised the land to Joshua. Joshua standing on the edge of the river. He's ready to start this massive campaign that's going to consume most of his life. And God says to him, he says, I have promised Moses that I would give you the land. So I will give you every place you go in that land. That's quite a promise. God makes a promise. Friends, you can, I will guarantee you God will keep that promise. If God says he's going to use you, he will use you. If God says that he's going to bless you, he will bless you. If God says, I'll protect you, it means God will protect you. In other words, you can take the promises of God to the bank. You can count on them. The end of Joshua's life. This is a lot of years later. He's very old. He's about to die. He's looking back on what God had done through him. And he realized that he had conquered all of Palestine. And there comes this great moment where he says, now my time has come to die. And every one of you know that God has given you all the good, all the good things that he promised. Every promise he has made has been kept. Not one has failed. That's quite a statement. You want to be used by God? I would challenge you to get in the Bible to get into that book and begin to find the promises. You know there are over 7,000 promises in the Bible? 7,000 of them. And a promise is, it's kind of like a blank check. God says, you know what? They're there waiting for you to lay claim to them. If if you're going to grow in faith, I believe you've got to build your faith and you build it on the promises of God. That's where you find that, that stability in life. Well, what's a promise look like? Well, one I said earlier, you know, Ephesians 3, it says, with God's power working in you, you can do much, much more than anything you've ever asked or imagined. That's, that's quite a promise. God says, I'll do more. You've got to embed that kind of promise in your heart. Allow God to, to speak to you, remind you of that in the midst of the storms or the struggles. So when you start to doubt, when you're feeling discouraged, when you trip and fall, and you will, you remember. Remember. You know, remember what God said. Remember those promises. And if you come to a point in your life where you say, you know what, God, I want to be used by you. I want to be used for whatever purpose you have in mind. God will begin to move that forward in your life. There are three things in the book of Joshua that you find about God's promises. First of all, God promises to give you strength in the midst of it. Joshua 1.5 says, no one will be able to stand against you. He says that to Joshua. You know, in other words, what God asks you to do, God's going to give you the power and the strength to do. God, God will sure things up. You know, where God guides you, he's going to provide in the midst of that. He also promises that he'll give success. 
I like that. You know, Joshua 170 says to Joshua, you will be successful. God wants you to be successful as you serve, as you're trying to make a difference in this world. God doesn't want you to fail. Think about that for a minute. God doesn't want you to fail. Twice in the chapter, God says, you will be a success. You can count on it, Joshua. Now, catch, you've got to get this right because some of you are going, well, okay, that sounds good. I want to be successful. God not, did not promise to make you successful at what you want to do. You hear that? That's why you fall sometimes. That's why you stumble. That's why you get tripped up because you're, you're not doing what God wants you to do. You're doing what you want to do. But if you want success in life, it's real simple. The fact is, you figure out what God wants you to do. You figure out where God's working, and you get involved in that. You, you start where God leads you, and step by step by step, God says, I'll make you successful. In other words, if you're not successful right now, you need to change course. Because apparently you're not walking down the right path where God wants you. You know, lately I've had people that catch me and they'll go, Hey, Damon, you you surprised by what's going on at Faith Fellowship? You know, are you surprised by the fact that we're growing? And you know if you've asked me that. My answer is no, I'm not surprised. I knew God had a plan for this church. I know God's got a plan for all of our lives, that God wants to, to use this church. You know, two and a half years ago, we, we knew as leaders that God was calling us to begin to think outside the box, to kind of unpack church as, as we've known it, and said, you know what, we need to stay fundamentally strong in what God's word has to say, but get rid of all the trappings, you know, to create an environment where it's really easy to invite someone that people will feel comfortable as they begin to connect with God, that we were willing to do whatever it takes to reach people for the cause of Christ, to make a difference in eternity. And I think as leaders, we understood that that would mean us getting uncomfortable for the cause that it meant that if we would commit ourselves totally and give God the best that we've got, that it would succeed. We took that step, you know, and I told you that was a scary step, but we took that step and all we had was a promise. But that's enough. It's really enough. You know, the other thing God promises is support, that when we take those steps, when we go God's way, that he'll support us in that. He says to Joshua, he says, I will be with you wherever you go. When you go God's way, when you move with God, you will not lack God's support. God will always give you whatever's needed to take the next step. I mean, how would you like to move from where you are right now to a point where God uses you in incredible ways. Well, I think one of the ways that you tap into that is you begin to tap into God's promises. The Bible's full of them. You've got you to discover them. And the only way you do that is by spending time in God's Word, 
Joshua 1.8 says, Always remember what's written in the book. Study. Study it day and night to be sure to obey everything that's written there. If you do this, you will be wise and successful in everything. Now that's an incredible promise. God says, I'll be in the midst of it. Now don't raise your hands, but how many of you want to be successful in your life? How many of you want to be wise in, in your life? The Bible tells you how. Is The fact is, God promises success not based on our abilities, but based on our commitment to the Word, to God's Word, to the Bible. Now that Scripture has the word remember. Remember the Word. Study the Word. Obey the Word. Obey, and as you begin to download God's Word, it makes a difference. You know, I made a decision early in my life that God's Word would be top shelf. This church, it was one one of the things that we were determined that it would be top shelf and it would be what directs us as leaders and as, as a team. Because God's Word makes a difference. It makes all the difference in the world. You know, General uh, Douglas MacArthur, he called Joshua the greatest military leader that ever lived. And, and I think it was because Joshua's life, as you read it, it was one battle after another battle after another battle, and he never gave up. He just kept pushing forward. And I know today, as I'm talking, some of you go, well, that's kind of how my life feels. You know, it's like one battle after another battle. You know, you solve one problem, there's another problem. You know, I have one victory, and then i got to face another battle. And it seems like it goes on and on and on. You know, how do you keep going on? Well, you got to route your doubts. you got to internalize God's promises. And here's another secret. Stand in God's strength. Not your strength, God's strength. This is more than just believing. It's, it's leaning on God. You know, giving God everything and saying, you know what, I can't make it through without you. What, what do you do when you lean on something? You put everything there. God says, you know what? It's not just believing, it's trusting. You know, God says, trust me. You know, am I trusting God with everything? Am I trusting God to hold me up in my life? Joshua 1.5, God says this, No one will be able to defeat you all your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forget you. God says that to you and me. God says, you know what? Lean on me. Lean, lean on God in your life. And as long as Joshua did that, as long as he stood in God's strength, okay, doing what God wanted him to do, trusting God, he was undefeatable. He was victorious in battle as long as he stood in God's strength. He was able to accomplish the impossible. He was able to beat the odds when he stood in God's strength. But when he got outside that, he got jammed up. And I wonder, what are you leaning on in your life? What is it that you're leaning on for strength? Somebody else? Are you leaning on the approval of other people? 
Because I want to tell you, that's shaky ground. That'll mess you up. People, get this, will let you down. Have you figured that out? They can't always hold you up. People get tired. People will drop you. And sometimes they don't mean to. They just do. Other times they do. They're like, man, I've had it with this. I can't do this. But you get jammed up. And something else, you can't trust yourself. You have discovered that, right? We think, okay, I can trust myself. No, you can't. You make promises to yourself all the time, promises that you don't keep. You, You let yourself down. You disappoint yourself along the way. And I know some of you are going, yeah, but I'm, I'm just going to depend on me. Well, let me tell you something. You're in trouble if that's who you're going to depend on. You will get jammed up. So, so what do you do? Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't lean, what's it say, on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. In other words, you need to lean on God. You need to stand in God's strength. Is it scary? You bet it is. Is it uncomfortable sometimes? Sure. Is God going to come through? You bet he will. You know, sometimes you have to commit yourself daily, every day, moment by moment. You just have to say, you know what? I've got to trust God. I know God. And God comes through. But sometimes you just have to do that each step. And K, kick off in faith. Kick off in faith. There comes a point in life where you have to stop discussing it. You have to stop talking about it. You have to stop thinking about it. You have to stop praying about it. And you just have to take a step. You know, in spite of your feelings, in spite of your fears, in spite of your doubts, you come to a point where you just jump off and kick off and allow God to use you. You know, it, it's just a matter of taking that step. Joshua 1, 10 and 11 says, Joshua issued instructions to the leaders to tell the people to get ready to cross the Jordan River. Moment of truth. Joshua standing there. He, he had to go for it. He had to lay it on the line. He had to plunge, literally, because he's going into a river. He's standing there, ready to cross the river. He's going to face battle after battle. He knows this. And the, the, river, the river wasn't huge. We, we know from history that it was about 100 feet wide about 20 feet deep, except at flood time. And then it was a little bit of a mess. I mean, the snow would melt up in the mountains, and it would become this rushing river, this turbulent river, this very dangerous river. It happened to be flood season when they stood there. I, I don't think that was an accident. I think it was part of God's plan. God wanted them to look across that river and for it to be daunting, for it to be overwhelming. The people, they're all sitting there behind Joshua going, how are we going to get across? How are we going to get across there? <clears throat> Joshua, there's not a bridge. 
Not any platoon boats. No jet skis. They didn't have jet skis back then, but... There's not a ferry. How's Joshua going to get this entire group across this raging river? God says, I'm going to do a miracle. Joshua, you remember 40 years ago, you were fleeing Egypt. You remember? I parted the sea. I'm going to do it again. Only this time we're going to do it a little bit different, Joshua. You remember I, I opened up the sea and you guys walked through. But this time, you got to start walking into the water. And at some point in that walk, I'm going to dam up the water and it'll recede. But I want you to step in first. This is a test. Now think about it. This is a serious rushing river. And it wasn't like, oh, put a toe in and that's it. I mean, they got in to their waist before God took and receded. But God did a miracle as they crossed over the Jordan. God took that water and pushed it back. Now, here's my question. What, what is your Jordan River in life? What is your barrier? What's the thing that you just can't get past, that thing that's in the way, that thing that's keeping you from taking that step? Because, friends, that first step is the hardest. It's the most difficult one. I mean, what do you do when you know something's the will of God? What do you do when you know it's the right thing to do, but you're scared to death to do it? What do you do? You do it anyway. In spite of your fear, you move against your fear. You fight your fear, but you just jump. It takes courage. And notice this, courage is not... The absence of fear. It doesn't take courage if you don't have fear. But if you have fear, see, courage is moving ahead in spite of your fear. You may say, well, what do I, I do in my life if I know it's the right thing, but, but I don't have any faith? You do it anyway. Because what happens is, once you take the step, faith begins to blossom in your life. Once you take the step, you find that the miracles come. God doesn't do the miracle first. God's waiting for you to take the step. You know, I think we believe that somehow, oh, I've got faith because I know it's going to land right. No, you just step, and faith is that, that fear as you move forward anyway. That's faith. If I already know everything, it doesn't take faith. You just move along. And I know some of you are going, well, you know, I'm getting a little old for this launching off stuff. Well, Joshua was 80. So no excuses today. You're never too old 
to make the rest of your life the best of your life. You're just not. I would challenge you to go to God and just say, God, you know what? However many years I have left in this world, I want to be used by you. I want you to use me in significant ways. I want to impact eternity. I want to be used by you. And friends, you can start small, but you start. Do you hear that? You can start small, but just start. Ephesians 3, again, God can do anything. You know far more than you could have ever imagined or guessed or requested in your wildest dreams. He does it not by pushing us around, but by working within us. His spirit deeply and gently within us. Friends, you can't imagine what God wants to do in your life. However big your dream is, God can do more if you just totally and completely and irrevocably give him your life. You can't imagine what God wants to do with you. You were made by God, created by God. And friends, I'll tell you from personal experience that when you allow God to use you, there is no greater thrill in this world. There is nothing like being used by God. Nothing even comes close to it. When, when, when you have that moment, you just go, this is why I was created. This is right. This is great. This is why God made me. And it just changes you. It revolutionizes you. If you're not being used by God, here's something to ponder. What in the world are you using your life for? I mean, don't make that mistake. Don't make that mistake. Allow God to use you. Next week, we're going to kind of take this up a notch. And um, we're going we're gonna to talk about getting uncomfortable. And so just know that, you know. He's going to make you uncomfortable next week. Just tell your neighbor that right now. I'm going to make you uncomfortable. You know, God... God God has a plan and you're part of it this church is part of it and as big as amazing as you can dream God says you know what I'm going to go way past that that's the kind of God we serve let's stand we're going to have a word of prayer Uh, during during the music uh, if you need to cruise, go ahead and take off during the piece. Uh, if you need to pick up your kids uh, and you're wanting to come back for communion, go ahead and do that uh, when we start the music, and uh, that way you'll be back here for communion. So let's bow in a word of prayer. Our holy God, we praise you. God, we thank you. You have created fearfully and wonderfully, and God, I pray that we just surrender ourselves totally to you. That we'd give you 100%. God, we are amazed at what you do in us and through us. God, I pray that you would give everyone the courage to just, just say that simple thing. God, use me. God, we stand amazed. It doesn't matter...
what we bring to the table. We're not the smartest or the brightest or the quickest or the fastest. But when we give it all to you, you surpass everything. God, I thank you for this church. I thank you for the individuals that give it all. God, we give you the praise this day. Amen.